0: Hey, everyone, and welcome to the Health Nuts podcast with certified holistic nutrition consultants Mary Vance and Caitlin Weeks. Our goal is to dispel mainstream nutrition myths and bring you the best in holistic health and real food education today. So for our agenda, we're excited to have naturopathic Dr. Lauren Noel, or Dr. Lowe, and we'll be talking all things menopause, and we got tons of questions from our readers so, it's a topic I know that there's a lot of interest in, and so we're excited to cover that from a holistic perspective today. And so, before we get into that, hi, Caitlin. Hi, Mary. How are you doing? I'm good. How about you?
1: Great.
0: Well, that's good. Um, any exciting news to report?
1: Well, um, I finally got my
0: ebook up today. Well, congratulations! Yeah, it's
1: only been I've been working on it since February, so. Well,
0: yeah, that's about right. It takes a good six months at least.
1: Yeah, so um, I got it up, and it's Mediterranean Paleo cooking. I wrote it with my husband, who's a real Mediterranean chef, so uh, you guys can all go out and get it now. It's on my it's on my site. You can so, buy- is it? It's up and
0: uh, available for download immediately?
1: Yes. The best way. The best kind. You can get it right on your iPad or e-reader, or you can put it on your computer, and, you know, then you can start cooking right away.
0: <laughs> well, I know it's a huge relief to have that done. It was really stressful when I had to get my ebook up and out, so... You should go out and celebrate with some Mediterranean paleo cooking tonight.
1: <laughs> I'll probably go get a massage or something.
0: <laughs> oh, that's a good idea. So, do you want to read our disclaimer and then we will continue forward?
1: Yes, the only purpose of this podcast is to educate and to inform. It is no substitute for professional care by a doctor or other qualified medical professional. This podcast is provided on the understanding it does not constitute medical advice or services. We encourage you to discuss with a licensed healthcare provider any healthcare needs that you have. Caitlin and Weeks and Mary Vance assume no liability for any activities in connection with this podcast.
0: Great. And you can find us online at Caitlin and Mary Vance N C like Nutrition And find us on Facebook, GrassFedgirl Girl, and Mary Vance Certified Nutrition Consultant. What's new on your site besides your book?
1: Um, I wrote a post about molasses. They look like brownies, but they're molasses blondies.
0: <laughs> okay, that sounds good.
1: Because um, my dad so is not supposed to eat chocolate. I mean... I don't know if I buy that, but whatever. Because <laughs> of the
0: caffeine? That's kind of ridiculous.
1: Well, I mean, it's, he has a heart issue, so that's what they told him. So whatever, I'm not going to argue with it. But, um, you know, I'm like, what about all the other things you could cut out? <laughs> you yeah. know, But whatever. Yeah, he, I he, the chocolate. <laughs> yeah, he, he does that pretty well. So, I mean, it seems to help him, I guess. So I made him the, the blondies for him to feel like you had brownies, so. That's nice. Well,
0: carrots really good, too, I think.
1: I have never really worked with that, but, um, and then I know I did something else, and I'll think of it after you go. Okay.
0: (laughs) I put up some real food shopping tips for people who don't like to grocery shop, because I get a lot of complaints from clients that they really hate going to the grocery store, so I compiled a list of things to help And also, I researched and did kind of an expose on what you need to know about eating seafood, which was kind of disturbing, because I really...
1: I read that.
0: Yeah, yeah, I know you shared it on your Facebook page, but it was really kind of disturbing to research the health of, especially aquaculture and farmed salmon, especially. Um, I think, in my opinion, it's really almost worse than feedlot beef, if not as equally as bad, Um, but I think it's kind of less regulated and... From an animal husbandry perspective, the way that people don't really consider fish, I guess, as important as for uh, treating them fairly as they might a cow or a chicken. And, and again, that's not saying a lot. So I wrote about how to stay healthy while still reaping the benefits of seafood because we all know that it's really nutrient-dense and high in good fatty acids. So check that out.
1: Yeah, it was a really good article. <clears throat> I read that. Make sure and listen to our last podcast with Kim I'm just there was keto Kim just listen to that uh, It was really good and answers all your questions about ketosis and uh, that was a really popular podcast so go back and check that one out and we're just so excited to have my friend dr. Lowe here today she I met her in 2011 at the first ancestral health symposium and I think, You know she's just got such a sweet face and a sweet smile and happy voice and everything and so you just want to be friends with her she's just easy to talk to and she makes you feel comfortable so and then she's visited me a couple times in San Francisco when she's come up for certain things and so I've gotten to know her pretty well and I'm just so excited that she's here to talk about this very important issue of women's health now um, I know she went to naturopathic med- medical school, and, you know, that's just as intensive as the medical, real medical school, quote-unquote. So, you know, these doctors really know their stuff, so we should all take heed of, of their lessons. And, you know, that they really look at the whole body rather than just uh, conventional medicine separates the parts out. And says, oh well you go to that kind of doctor and that kind of doctor. And you know, we're really all the systems are connected and and that's what naturopathic medicine takes into account. And they look at nutrition and they, they so um Dr. Lowe has a new practice. It's opened in I can't remember the new town, but she's in San Diego in a nice part and it's called Shine Natural Medicine. So we're really excited for her that she's got her own place now and new website and all that stuff, so tell us about it,
0: Dr. Lowe.
2: Well, hi. You have a sweet little face, Caitlin.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Everybody's got a sweet face.
2: Right when you said that, my face just like beamed. That's the sweetest (laughs) thing ever, my sweet little face. I've never heard that before. (laughs) Oh, man. It's really good to be on the show. And, um, yes, I visited you a couple times because you've been so gracious to extend your... Your home to me. I guess it was your workspace at the time, and it was so nice of you because San Francisco can be so expensive. So crashing on on the floor, even though it was on a little air mattress, was very, very nice of you. So thank you for the hospitality. <laughs>
1: well, it was great to hang out with some <laughs> like-minded people.
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, so that's to meet your mom
1: and your little doggy.
2: Yep, my little doggie Dinah, she's sitting right here, and she's totally passed out of sleep, and she's started snoring recently, so it really disrupts my patient visits. I know, hard life, right? <laughs>
0: yeah, right. Well, tell everybody a little bit about your background in terms of naturopathic medicine and how you got into the field.
2: Sure, so... um You know, I think naturopathic medicine just kind of chose me. I think I was just destined to do this as a profession. I've always been kind of a weird child, really into nutrition, and liked bossing people around and telling them what they should eat and shouldn't eat. (laughs) So basically now people pay me to do that, which is pretty cool but you know i've like yeah i was just always a very peculiar child who wanted to eat blueberries instead of you know halloween food and stuff like that um halloween candy i should say not really food technically and um you know i just always gravitated towards nutrition and natural healing and um Ever since I learned about naturopathic medicine, when I was uh, just finishing up my undergrad, I, I never looked back. It was just destined to be, and I've loved every second of it—the highs, the lows. But because it's my passion, and it really, really works, it's an incredible form of medicine. Because, like you guys were saying, it looks at, you know, the whole person. It looks at the root cause. It's treating the root rather than the symptoms. So people, you know, their their lives turn around. Their health turns around for, for the like for the long haul. Um, so it's really, um, it's very rewarding to do what I do and be able to help people turn their lives around and, um, you know, and then I I pretty much decided to study this to learn about my own health problems back in the day and I was able to really find a lot of relief for myself and so, you know, I can really sympathize with patients and, um, so yeah, so Shine Natural Medicine, we just opened a month ago. And uh, we're having actually our grand opening celebration, so for anyone who's local to San Diego or who wants to fly here, it's going to be totally worth it. Um, that's on November 9th at 6 o'clock, and we'll have raffles, and we're going to have a paleo truck there, and uh, wow. custom uh, shine juice with some turmeric in it to help reduce inflammation. And just oh, all- I love those. I love the truck. Yeah. <laughs> so we're getting creative with it um, with lots of raffle prizes. It'll be really cool. Um, so, yeah, so it's really fun having my own practice now, and, um, you know, and, and really, like, my my main focus with the practice, besides the kinds of conditions I focus on, is I really wanted to create a place where people come and they feel happier when they're here, they feel like they're connected to something, because I really believe in community, so I try to create more of a community vibe here, and, um, you know, I want people to walk out of the clinic feeling like a bigger, happier version of themselves, so that's that's what's important to me, and, you know, of course health is first and foremost. And if you're not healthy, you really, you know, you don't feel like a, a empowered, happy version of yourself. So that's, that's kind of my philosophy. And um, yeah, it's been a lot of fun.
0: Great. That was a pretty awesome ringing endorsement for natural medicine and having your own practice. I love that. I think <laughs> that's kind of how many of us got into this field is to deconstruct our own health issues and to be as healthy as possible and kind of switch up that paradigm of Conventional medicine, just kind of prescribing drugs for symptoms instead of really looking at the underlying causes. So right. it's good that you're out there preaching the good word. Now, Doing I, what
1: I can. <laughs> I ask you on the podcast, I mean, I th- you came to mind because I know you've dealt with some of your own hormone issues and thyroid issues and as well as digestive problems. And, yeah. you know, these are all... C- these all come into play when we're talking about menopause, our topic today, so uh, we're just excited to have an expert with us to help us navigate these hot flashes.
2: Well, <laughs> well about about menopause, I'm amazed I didn't go into early menopause going into naturopathic school. I, mean, I think it's a miracle. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's... me and Mary both got sick
0: when we were in school as
2: well. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> I, I know and self care is so self. important. I really try to educate my my lady patients especially to just really take care t- t- take care of themselves, you know? I mean, I have an assistant. I have an employee for the first time and and just I'm just really trying to make sure she takes care of herself while she's working at Shine because that's like that's, you know, it's priority to really take care of yourself cuz you can't really help other people unless you're healthy. So, but yeah, you're right. I mean, I have my own health problems, my own thyroid condition, um, Digestive problems. I was thirty pounds heavier, you know, back in high school, which is totally rare. People are usually like, "Oh, I wish I could fit into my high school jeans again." I'm like, I don't want to wear my high school jeans again. So, you know, yeah, I, I, uh, I was in the whole Kaiser Permanente conventional medicine wheel for many, many years, and uh, look back, and I'm really glad I went through that because I was able to see what not to do. <laughs> Great.
0: Yeah, and you know. Along the lines of what you were saying, that kind of ties into our topic today in terms of women and self care, and because I, you know, obviously in my practice I specialize in women's health too. And Caitlin and I both have worked with plenty of women who are heading into menopause and think that really debilitating menopausal symptoms are normal, and that working twelve hours a day and taking care of a family and doing all the cooking and you know being in charge of everything is just really a quick way for women to burn themselves out and can worsen menopausal symptoms. So, just to get started on our topic, kind of tell us a little bit of introduction because I think a lot of people hear menopause and they have an assumption about it but how would you really kind of define menopause and how would women know that they're heading in that direction?
2: Well, menopause specifically is, it's a pretty simple definition. It's just basically you haven't had a period for a year. So when you've had that year go by without a period, you're officially in menopause, mm-hmm. and it can happen. In, in, the The age range really varies for the woman. The average age is about between fifty and fifty two is about the age that it happens. But it can happen as early in the early forties, even late thirties for some women, and as late as you know in the sixties for other women. So it just totally varies. There's a lot of things that can change the onset of menopause, like if someone smokes or they're um, their body weight, maybe genetics can come into it, um, lifestyle, a lot of things can, you know, can affect it, but that's kind of the average age that it happens. And um, before that happens, though, before the official you know, menopause, um, there's a lot of things that can start to creep in. And unfortunately for many women, they don't know that this is what's happening, that they're having hormonal fluctuations and they're starting to go down that road and so they will see a doctor and complain of certain symptoms and the doctor will just give them a medication for that specific symptom so you know maybe around mid 30s late 30s hormones will start to change where the first thing which which usually happens is is progesterone starts to decline because that's one of the main fertility hormones and um you know things like maybe anxiety will show up or maybe um you know sleep issues will start to creep in and then, as time goes on, then, then the estrogen will start to drop, and that's when that starts to happen. That other things will show up, like um, increasing anxiety. Um, skin will start to feel more dry because estrogen is really it's a it's a hormone that plumps up the skin. So. Um, and then the other thing, too, is uh, sex drive. A lot of times, sex drive will start to drop, too. So, you know, ladies will go on to see their doctor and say, I'm having this issue. I I'm just feel kind of depressed, or I'm not sleeping as well. Or, um, you know, maybe they're starting to get some hot flashes, but that may take a lot longer to actually show up. And the doctor will give them, you know, like Ambien to go to sleep, or they'll give them Prozac for their mood. Um, so, unfortunately, a lot of times it's, it's the, the symptoms are misread when all that really needs to happen is to balance the hormones out and a lot of those problems will, you know, would be alleviated.
1: Now what I want to know really quick, like, you know, there's kind of the perception of what menopause is and then mm-hmm. what, tell us why that's false in a lot of ways.
2: Well, all that menopause is, meno is just means, you know, menses and pause is obviously stopping. All it is is literally your period stops. Um, but there's a lot of misconceptions around it that, you know, it's like, well, now you're no longer, um, you know, like young and juicy anymore. Now it's like, you know, women are like all into the anti-aging thing and they want to stop the clock as fast as they can or slow it down as much as they can. And I think there's a lot of, um, I think, bad... <sighs> Feelings about menopause, when in reality, I think if there's a shift in perception around it, it can be seen as a a beautiful stage of, you know, a new phase of life. There's new learning opportunities, new adventures, you know, fewer family obligations, and, you know, really embracing that new phase of life can be a really beautiful thing. And I've seen patients who have really seen it as an empowering you know, stage of life and it's a beautiful thing to witness and they're happier and they're like, you know, more carefree and then other women that are wanting to do every single anti-aging therapy under the sun and it's like they're just working against time and not embracing it. So it's a very different experience. Um, Is that what you're asking or was this something?
1: Yeah, kind of, but I was kind of wondering, I think there's this perception on TV that we're supposed to be miserable and sweating and fat and all this stuff and I right. think that that's not, I mean, I know that's not really true. That's kind of more, I mean, that's that's what I want to know too.
2: Well, I think there's a difference between what's common and what's normal. And that's a
0: really good point, yeah.
2: Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of common symptoms that come along with menopause and yeah, if your adrenals are really fatigued, if you have you know, unhealthy uh, body composition, if you eat like crap, you're going to have a a harder time going through menopause. Whereas if your adrenals are nice and strong, you have, you know, healthy body composition, you eat well, you sleep well, you take care of yourself, you charge your batteries on a regular basis, then it would be a much easier um, transition. And then you'll have a lot less of those symptoms. So I think the standard American lifestyle really lends towards a very difficult menopause.
0: And exactly what you said is, I think that, women think that hot flashes and night sweats and depression are normal and they come right. to expect that. Yep. And I think I remember reading that there isn't even a word for menopause in Japan or in Asian cultures mm. because they don't really experience the same debilitating symptoms um, mm. as women here and they've come to sort of fear that transition rather than like you said it can be a transition in life that can be embraced. But
2: Absolutely.
0: With that said, what do you think are some symptoms that you, you know, women might experience that would be kind of normal, I mean, as yeah. they're going through this and which aren't?
2: Well, rather than just rattling off a bunch of symptoms and trying to memorize them for people listening, if you think about what estrogen does, that helps you to figure out what what symptoms could look like if you're deficient. So, estrogen is a lubricating hormone. And if you think about that, okay, if you don't have enough of that, then things can dry up. So that would look like dry skin. That could look like vaginal dryness. Um, it could have uh, maybe dry, achy, injured joints, you know, some just you just kind of feel like a rusty hinge because your, your ligaments aren't as lubricated. Um, also, too estrogen helps the tissues to stay strong, so like the urinary system, for example, can start to be affected, so start to get urinary problems, maybe recurrent um, bladder infections. Also uh, incontinence, so maybe like when older ladies will sneeze or they'll laugh really hard or maybe they're working out, they'll they'll notice a little bit of dribbling of urine because the the ureters, the, um, the urethra isn't as strong as it was because of the reduced estrogen. So um, those are some of the things that just affect more of the body tissues. The other thing about estrogen is that it works on the same receptors as serotonin. And serotonin is your sleep, you know, your happy uh, neurotransmitter. So when that becomes deficient, when the estrogen is deficient, you get symptoms of low serotonin. And that can show up like depression. Um, that also helps to uh, – serotonin also helps to create um, – melatonin. So that helps with sleep. So if you're deficient in that, then, then you'll have some sleep problems as well and that can also show up as low progesterone too. Um, definitely low sex drive because of not only the drive aspect of it but also if the, the vaginal tissue is drier, then it's going to be more uncomfortable to have sex. So there's you know the dryness and also just the fragility of the, um, of the tissues you know it actually is painful to have sex if, if your estrogen levels are really, really low. Um, let's see what else. Also, decreased memory and concentration. So, just feel like you walk into a room and you don't remember why, or you just kind of feel a fog. <laughs> I know, that's right. how it. No, <laughs> you know, I, mean, I know. I'm like, geez, I feel like that already sometimes. So, um, <laughs> but yeah. So that's that's a real common thing too. And then also too, something that oftentimes will happen is, um, as as the ladies, you know, estrogen and progesterone drop, the testosterone oftentimes stays the same. Not always, but sometimes. And so that can show up as actual testosterone um, elevations just because in relation to the estrogen and progesterone, it's, it's, it's higher. So, you know, getting things like hair growth on the face or, you know, maybe some hair loss on the head, but, get, you know, get basically getting hair where you don't want it and losing it where you <laughs> do want it um, can, can happen as well. So the, it's kind of a, a wide range of symptoms like you can see. So and, and then also, too, estrogen and progesterone also keep your bones nice and healthy, so when those levels go down, then osteoporosis can be a, a result when the, you know, your hormones aren't optimized. So kind of all across the board, you have receptors for estrogen and progesterone on every cell in your body, all over the place, re- regardless if it's, you know, cardiovascular system, neurological, your bones, you know, your various organs, they, they all respond to estrogen and, and progesterone. So if you're deficient in them, then the the, the symptoms are pretty widespread.
0: So, Mary, what's your next question? (laughs) Well, I was going to say, one thing I was thinking of too is heading into uh, menopause, like let's say I guess the typical woman would be around 40, I'm sorry, 50, late 40s. So, what are some steps women can do ahead of time, steps that they can take to ensure that they're healthy and, and reduce any possible
2: symptoms? Well, one of the things that can really help to make this transition not as difficult is actually having a little more body fat because the body fat can work right. like an estrogen organ. So, you know, it's kind of, it's it's a tricky subject because oftentimes ladies want to be as slim as possible, but when they're really, really slim, they oftentimes have a really difficult um, transition into menopause. So just... Being aware of that and not getting too obsessed about having body fat as low as possible can can be helpful. Just have a little more fat around the body. <laughs> um, also, too, as the ovaries stop making hormones, the adrenals really have to kick in. So that's why going into menopause, you want to have your adrenal glands as strong as possible. So I'm sure your your listeners know a lot about adrenal function, right? At this point.
0: We have done at least one <laughs> podcast covering adrenal hip function. Yes. Okay. Well,
1: we've talked about it extensively. <laughs> extensively, yes. They're they're not listening.
2: <laughs> I know it's like I can't be on a paleo podcast and, and you know talk about adrenals and bore people to death because at this point I feel like they really know it. But, but um, but yeah, so the ovaries make hormones, but your adrenals do in a small percentage make hormones as well. So ovaries stop making them adrenals kick in, and if your adrenals are really tired and they're majorly wiped out, the adrenal reserve is very low, then they're not going to do as good of a job. So just being cognizant of taking care of your adrenal glands, reducing stress, getting them tested, seeing actually what your adrenal function looks like, which would be a a salivary test four times throughout the day. It's, you know, they call it a um, 24-hour cortisol curve. I guess it's twelve-hour cortisol curve technically, but you can see how your cortisol output is, how your DHEA output, and actually testing your, your hormones in the saliva, um, and and you know optimizing that. I tell my patients even in their twenties, get your hormones tested. You know you're nowhere near menopause necessarily, but you can get a baseline for how your optimal levels look, so you can really see what it would look like once it, those levels start to go down. Um, so adrenal function, uh, body composition, and, um, you know, just other lifestyle factors, just sleeping well and reducing stress, and um, but really where it's at is really a, adrenal function to help the, that transition to not be as uncomfortable. Now, I know you're down in
1: Southern California, so what is your take on these bioidentical hormones?
2: Yeah, <laughs> you say it like it's dun-dun-dun bioidentical <laughs> hormones. <laughs> Um, well, the, the key part of that phrase is bioidentical, which is very different from something that's a synthetic hormone, um, that comes from like, you know, the urine of a horse, right? So it's, it's a very different uh, molecule. I am, I'm a big fan of bioidentical hormones for the right, uh, patient. So, and it really ultimately comes down to a patient's preference. So I have some Patients that are like i don 't want to do any hormones i 'm just not comfortable with it it 's like great let 's look at herbal support let 's look at nu- you know nutrition let 's look at lifestyle um vitamins minerals we 'll see what you're deficient in and support you that way, and that can be really helpful and there 's other patients that they actually do need some hormones so like for some ladies you know let 's say they 've gone through um like a surgical menopause they 've had a hysterectomy well they 're not going to really get a whole lot of hormone production back if they don 't have their ovaries so in that case definitely i would i would for sure, support bioidentical hormones. Um, but I've, I've seen, I mean, I do a lot of bioidentical hormones in my practice, and it's it can be pretty miraculous for patients. And they feel so much better on it that it's like they don't mind having to take something. And it really comes down to a, a few things with bioidenticals. Number one, making sure it's bioidentical. The other factor is making sure it's balanced. So at, if, you're, if you are taking bioidentical estrogen, it has to be balanced with progesterone. Because they they work you know they work together so you have to make sure you're doing both if you're going to be doing some estrogen, and then the last thing is making sure you are metabolizing appropriately. So there's there's various nutrients and you know herbs that can help you to actually metabolize the estrogens in a healthy way so it's not turning into more of the cancer causing estrogens. So it's you know it, it all it, it all depends on the right patient how it's dosed. Um, you know, how it's broken down, that makes it a good versus a not-so-good thing. Absolutely. There's a lot of factors.
1: And, you, you know, if you're going to be taking stuff like that, you need to work with a practitioner, right?
2: Yes, absolutely. And like I was saying, when you get your hormones levels hormone levels tested in your saliva, well, once you're actually taking hormones like bioidenticals, then the the mode of uh, monitoring that changes and you actually do it with the blood work after that point. So it's just something important for people to know, you can't really do a saliva test after that because it's going to be crazy elevated and you won't be, you won't get accurate readings. So, you know, going to see a doctor who's really familiar with endocrine hormones, knows how to monitor them, knows how to make sure it's safe for you. Um, I would recommend to see either a naturopathic doctor and so people listening if you want to I, I technically can't prescribe hormones for my distant patients. They have to be um, local patients or at least see me for the first visit in person. Um, but if you have a local doctor, you can see the website for that is naturopathic.org so that's uh, naturopathic doctors in your area. and then also I recommend going to the ACAM website that's American College for Advancement in medicine so acam.org, and you can find a um, you know, anti aging doctor. I hate that word anti aging, but <laughs> anti aging doctor in your area who, who's you know well versed in how to do this safely.
0: So, I have a question too, really quickly. I know you mentioned um, I think hysterectomy and partial hysterectomy earlier, and and I get a lot of women who have had either hysterectomies or partial hysterectomies. Does that push you into? early menopause or do you believe in taking yep. hormones just to continue your cycling even if you
2: don't have your ovaries it's a good question i mean it's if you do have your your uterus and your ovaries removed then officially you go into menopause right away i mean my mom wouldn't care but she was she had this procedure done in her early 30s and so yeah she was you know without i mean i think my age i'm 32 now i think she was about my age when this happened and it, it used to happen so much a couple decades ago Fortunately, this isn't happening as much now, but but yeah, instantly, you know, you, you're going into menopause, and I, I do, in my in my opinion, I do think it's important to be on hormonal support after that point, just because you're, like I said, with all the different benefits of what estrogen and progesterone do, you're you're not going to have those, you know, those health benefits, so you're going to lose. Um, You know, uh, bone density. Your your brain isn't going to work as well, and your sex drive. I mean, is just going to tank. Oftentimes, body composition really changes, where ladies find it's it's a lot harder to lose that weight in the midsection. And uh, so, so yeah, a lot of things can result from that. And I, I do think being on some hormonal support is important for that forever. Not necessarily forever, but just to get you through you know that time. I, I mean, I think it would be the best idea to do that.
0: And that's a really good point as well is that I get a lot of women also whose doctors have them, you know, some of them even, shockingly to me, have been in their late 50s and 60s and their doctors still have them on hormones and are still cycling. Right. Uh, but the idea, and correct me if I'm wrong, is uh, in taking bioidenticals is just to help women kind of get through the transition and then wean off of them, correct?
2: Well, there's a couple of different schools of thought with that. There's what's called the static dosing, which is just basically uh, uh, the same uh, dosage throughout the month you're taking, and that's oftentimes just to alleviate symptoms of uh, hormonal fluctuations and getting through menopause, you know, smoother, and then then ultimately weaning off of it. The other school of thought is what's you know most known as the Wiley Protocol. It's the um, it's the uh, the dosing that fluctuates throughout the month. Throughout the month, and the I, I actually like the the philosophy of that in that you are changing the, the dosing that a patient takes throughout the month. So when it's when your hormones are lower in the first half of the cycle, you're taking less hormones, and then the second half of the cycle in the luteal phase, you take higher hormones. That mimics a woman's natural rhythm. Um, but with that school of thought. They do tend to keep patients on it long term, so then the patient the patient actually has periods kind of forever. <laughs> so that's more known of like, you know, Suzanne Summers and just the more of the anti-aging movement. And there's pros and cons with both. Situations, it kind of freaks people out the idea of having a, a period forever. Um, some ladies, they feel so great doing it. They feel, you know, young and vibrant the whole time. And so they're like, I don't really care having a period because I feel so good. So it just kind of comes down to what the patient is okay with. Um, and you know, I think Suzanne Summers, you know, she's like, I basically just want to be healthy, and then I would just want to die. You know, I don't want to like decline and have no sex drive and feel like I'm drying up and all this stuff. And so that's that's her philosophy. And you know, great, that works for her. But it's it ultimately comes down, I think, to just what you're comfortable with. And and yeah, there are some risks with that. I mean, if a woman has maybe breast cancer she doesn't know about that's you know it is receptive to estrogen it could technically increase growth of that so it's just about being really careful with those kinds of therapies so both of them have you know pros and cons
1: um, yeah I've heard Dr. Wiley uh, say that you should you know take hormones your whole life and and then sleep 12 hours a night too Right. right? <laughs>
2: Yeah, no, so right.
1: in, in a perfect world. Um, all mm-hmm. right, so we're, I want to know a little bit about the foods that are helpful during menopause and and also what's your take on soy?
2: So regarding diet through menopause, I think it's more looking at what foods are are not ideal in menopause. And the two main ones are, and it's not really a food, but it's coffee. Coffee is a really big trigger for ladies to have hot flashes and have problems sleeping. So, And I've seen this in my practice time and time again. I get my ladies off of coffee. Their hot flashes substantially improve. Some ladies actually, it goes away. And then their sleep gets much better too. So coffee really disrupts blood sugar balance and can... um, Can also interfere with healthy adrenal function, and that's like I said, it's such an important piece through menopause is to have healthy adrenals. So cutting out the coffee, and I know it's like I feel like I'm like the big bad bear, big bad wolf, or whatever it is with hormones because I keep saying like no coffee. Um, But that's the first one. The second one is, is sugar. So. Actually, probably the third one's alcohol, too, which kind of is metabolized like sugar. Yeah. So sugar and alcohol can worsen um, hot flashes. So those are the three ones to avoid as much as you can. And, of course, you want to live a live little, enjoy your life. So, I mean, it's not like all or nothing and you are awful if you have these foods. You just need to understand that that could worsen menopausal symptoms. But it's probably um, not
1: the one glass a day like people think. is probably too much, right?
2: yeah it is too much actually maybe and, and often a month
1: or something like that
2: um, you know maybe a glass a week or a couple glasses a week something like that there is some benefit to having some some wine um, you know there is some research suggesting that it, it can be beneficial but again it's it's really com- comes down to how much you're having and I always recommend blood work you know get your blood work done look at your liver function see you know see if you can tolerate having that much alcohol I mean some ladies are really really sensitive to it and their, their liver enzymes go up with just the smallest amount of alcohol. So every everybody's different. It's all individualized. Um, so those three foods avoiding for menopausal support. And then and then the the really the name of the game is, is having sufficient protein. Protein helps to balance your hormones out and you know it keeps your blood sugar stable, which is such a big part of hormonal balance. So you know, start your day with some protein. Have protein with your breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And, you know, if you have blood sugar fluctuations, if you have hypoglycemia, which would look like if you skip a meal, you feel hangry, you want to, you know, punch someone, you feel foggy headed and, you know, mood issues and all that. If you get those kinds of symptoms when you skip a meal, then it's especially important for you to talk about, well, intermittent fasting is so wonderful in the paleo community. Well, I disagree when it comes to lady patients. Who have you know blood sugar problems? You want to actually keep your blood sugar stable with eating throughout the day, and I find that makes a big difference for um, for hot flashes for for a lot of patients. Um, So avoiding those foods, keeping blood sugar stable that's that's really my approach when it comes to nutrition for for menopause.
0: And the soy question is always a good one because we hear so much about how soy is bad, but. I also have a lot of women saying that's the only way they can find relief, and I think it's obviously because soy can be estrogenic. But what, what do you tell people about soy?
2: Yeah, it's soy is totally a mixed bag, and it's kind of demonized in the the paleo community. And I think there's probably these like you know underground paleo women who are like eating soy, you know, on the low, <laughs> not telling anyone because they're not getting any hot flashes from it, and so <laughs> um, simply soy shaming. <laughs> yeah, I know soy shaming totally. Yeah, soy. Soy is really controversial, but it it can really help with hot flashes for a lot of women. So it, you know, it has estrogenic activity. There, you know, in the Asian populations, they 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 have a lot more soy than we do. Um, now, granted, they're having a lot different kind of soy than what we're having. It's not you know, it's not like turkey and um, Boca burgers and stuff like that. I mean, they're having miso soup. They're having non-processed soy. So. A, you know, a couple times a week, I would say for, for women who are having really bad hot flashes, it can make a big difference. Now, it comes down to what kind of soy. So it, it needs to be organic. It can't be genetically modified, which 90% of the soy is genetically modified if it's not organic. So, very important. And then, and if you have thyroid problems, it's probably not a good idea to have a bunch of soy because so, it can inhibit your thyroid hormone production. Um, soy can also increase goiters, which is the enlarged thyroid. So if you notice the front of your neck starts to get, you know, kind of swollen, it's probably looking like a goiter. So, um, and then also soy can can inhibit nutrient absorption in your gut. Um, you know, it can cause intestinal problems for many people. It's a very very common allergen. So it really is a mixed bag when it comes to soy. I I would say if you are having really bad hot flashes, you don't want to use any kind of bioidentical hormones. I would just look into making sure you don't have thyroid problems and um, you're not allergic to soy. You can get a a blood test to check for that. And if you're if you're good to go, then then use some soy and see if that really helps with your hot flashes. It may make a big big benefit.
0: And in in what form would you recommend in, in that case?
2: Yeah, miso tempeh you know that's the fermented soy. Um, you know maybe the um, edamame, but just again organic, clean source. Great.
1: Um. Yeah, but you know most people have thyroid issues anyway, so there you go. Right. Out Sol- the door. Right. Um, and when you know the thing you said it's the goiter is because it, it, they don't get enough iodine, right?
2: Right, exactly. Mm-hmm.
1: So you got to make sure you're eating like your omega threes from fish and all that stuff to to help out seaweed. I know you like sea snacks.
2: Love but. sea snacks. I'm <laughs> totally addicted. You know who loves sea snacks? Dinah. She loves sea snacks.
1: <laughs> yeah, dogs. Dogs know what's good. They know <laughs> about. They know corn and soy and whatever. Wheat is not good for them.
2: Yeah, Dinah's. She's oh. so funny. She has the the smartest taste bud. She will not eat unhealthy treats, she won't even drink water from like another dog's bowl. She's like, no, I need alkaline water, and I need some uh, grain-free food, and it's like total food foods.
1: <laughs> she rejects Chinese doggy treats.
2: Yeah, <laughs> totally. Um,
1: okay, so what are some things that, that, what tests, and you kind of said a little bit about this already, but just to help our audience to recap, what testing and treatment do you do with your menopausal patients?
2: well every single patient who I see I always do a comprehensive blood panel so that's looking at their immune system looking at their blood sugar balance uh, their vitamin D levels their thyroid and with thyroid we run a lot of different thyroid tests so we run the TSH we run the free T3 the free T4 we're running the thyroid antibodies so it's a lot more than just TSH and T4 which is what the conventional you know doctors typically run um, so that's on every patient, I'm also looking at homocysteine and CRP, which is markers of um, heart disease risk, stroke risk, um, and inflammation. And um, also looking at their hormone testing. So that's looking at saliva testing. So they're collecting their spit four times throughout the day: so morning, midday, afternoon, and evening. And that's going to be looking at their cortisol throughout the day, and also their estrogen, their progesterone, DHEA, and testosterone. And regarding the estrogen, we're testing not just estrogen, but the different kinds of estrogen. So estradiol, which is the strongest form of estrogen, we're also testing estrone, and then estriol. So estrone is more of the um, more of the estrogen associated with cancer, and then estriol is a more protective cancer or protective estrogen for cancer. Which interestingly, estriol is the weakest form of estrogen, but it's the most protective. And A lot of times for women as they get older, their estradiol and estriol goes down but their estrone goes up. So That's why looking at the, the ratios is really important, making sure to optimize the um, the kind of estrogen that they have to be more cancer protective. There's also urinary testing for hormones. I don't do this as much in my office but many doctors do this where they'll check and see how your body's metabolizing the, the, the hormones, looking at different breakdown products of, of the estrogens and, and all that. So, um, those are, that's pretty much what I run on every patient. I also run nutrient testing. So, I always check to see what vitamins and minerals and antioxidants are deficient. Because if you have a deficiency in, let's say, vitamin B6, then your body has a more difficult time making estrogen. Um, If you're deficient in calcium, calcium is really important for hormone balancing and also for bone health. Um, So, yeah, this is also a blood test. You can run it through, uh, spectra Cell, which is who I, who I do the test through. It's a micronutrient deficiency test. It's tested within the white blood cells themselves. Um, you can also get it tested at the Nutra Eval, is what it's called. I believe that's through Genova. Um, that's really important test to do, I think, because then I can really customize what kind of supplements or what kind of diet is ideal for the patient. And it's all—it's different. Everybody's very different on what they're low in, and that for sure affects how they feel with through menopause. So those are the tests that I run. Um, also important too is as, as ladies are getting older is doing a DEXA scan and seeing what their bone density looks like. I've seen osteoporosis, osteopenia, which is like pre-osteoporosis. And even, you know, ladies in their high 20s, early 30s, it's crazy how how bone density goes down so much um, when the hormones are not optimized. So just getting a, a you know an idea of how your bone density looks. Um and then depending on what the results show if if a woman says in her you know 50s and she has raging osteoporosis well she may actually need need to be on hormone replacement because estrogen and progesterone are so important for the strength of her bones so that may also help to determine if if hormone replacement is appropriate um let's see those are the 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 standard tests i would say to get run and then uh also, too, if you have a family history of heart disease, doing maybe some additional, you know, cardiovascular testing, like um, you know, like an LPP or a, a light, uh, NMR. those are different kinds of um, particle size testing for your cholesterol. You but see a
0: big relationship between like
1: the, the the cholesterol, but like also the diabetes markers in in, hor- in hormone regulation and menopause.
2: Oh yeah, huge for sure. Yeah, if especially with, um, I would say is, there's a couple things that happens. One, women who have taken a lot of hormone replacement therapy, you know, non bioidentical, and they have a lot of uh, just red flags regarding lifestyle factors. We'll see high levels of um, like CRP, which is inflammation. We'll see high fibrinogen, so their their blood is more viscous or more it clots a lot more. So, so there's a big connection between hormones and um, like the viscosity of your blood. So it can make you more at risk for things like strokes and um, you know heart attacks. So that's for sure something we'll see. And then also osteoporosis is it's been called diabetes of the bones. So if you have blood sugar dysregulation, maybe um, insulin resistance, your bones are more likely to be weak as a result of that. So treating osteoporosis, not only are hormones important, but also regulating blood sugar and, and sensitizing your cells to insulin.
1: And then, right, the women who have PCOS are really screwed, right?
2: Absolutely. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I, think
1: I think that's the medical
2: art. term. I think that's a medical term. Yeah. Yeah. It's their screwed-itis. Your, your body's
1: trying to sig- send you a message, is what I'm saying.
2: <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs>
1: We have the doctor here to keep us on track.
2: (laughs) That's so funny. They're really screwed. (laughs) I do. But
1: but we love all you guys. That's why we do this, because we want to help the women who are suffering, because it's not normal to be in pain before your period and all that kind of stuff. So, um, Well, Mary, let's kick off the Facebook questions.
0: All right. We got a bunch. Um, (laughs) So we'll we'll launch right into... Um, I'm trying to scan them to see which ones we've kind of already answered. But we had, Rhonda um, says, I just How does to tell, one.
1: Tell Lauren, in in about five minutes, we had 50 questions. Oh on, my gosh. On my Facebook page. So um, it, this is a hot topic.
0: Wow, that's amazing. <laughs> Rhonda says, How does one use bioidentical hormones? And we've kind of already addressed that. And I I think that's kind of more of a. Obviously, individualized to the patient, but do you have a kind yeah. of a short
2: answer? I I wouldn't recommend just a patient tinkering with their own bioidentical hormones. I mean, unless... Yeah. Unless, you know, income is really, really a concern and there, it's like you can't really do anything but just maybe try to slather on some hormones. You really can't get – the, the hormones I use for patients are, are doctor-prescribed, so you can't get them like a natural pharmacy or anything. Um Bezwecken is a company that does make some bioidentical hormones that you can buy over the counter. But, again, you got to be careful with it because if you just – experiment, you can really screw up some things. So I would just say to get some some labs done, see a doctor who specializes in it and just have it done right. Um, I the, the type of hormones I usually do, I use um, uh, I use usually biased which is two kinds of estrogen. It's the estradiol and estriol. I usually do an 80-20 ratio which is 80% estriol. So it's very cancer protective. Um, and I will oftentimes use progesterone orally. And usually before bed because that activates the GABA receptors, so it helps with sleep. So it can be really miraculous for, for ladies who haven't slept in many years, and all of a sudden they're they're sleeping again. Um, that's usually what I do. Sometimes, you know, I'll, we'll do a progesterone cream if they don't if you know they don't do well with the capsules. Um, so oftentimes, too, I'll use an estriol vaginal gel or vaginal cream. And that really helps with vaginal dryness. So if, if a patient's not really comfortable doing hormones in general, they don't want to do systemic hormones, we'll just do a little bit of vaginal estrogen just to the, the tissues, and that really helps with dryness. So you just do it every night for a couple weeks and then you know two to three times a week thereafter just to keep the benefits. But it's that can be really, really helpful for that.
0: Cool. So the, another quick hormone question. Mary wants to know, what causes slightly elevated DHEA, that testosterone is normal? Well, no. that can be, uh, I guess, a PCOS marker is what you might be asking. Yeah.
2: yeah, you kind of read my mind with that. So DHEA is a type of androgen, as is, or as is testosterone. But um, that can be an early sign of adrenal fatigue because as... Um, like let's say as the there's a pregnenolone steal that happens where your, your body's preferentially making adrenal hormones rather than sex hormones, the DHEA can go up as a as a way to compensate for that because it can be converted into testosterone, which can be converted into estrogen. You know, it can turn into the sex hormones. So it could be the body's way to be smart and take care of that problem. Um, so I would look into underlying adrenal fatigue, and then. Um, And then, yeah, like you're saying, with with the PCOS kind of picture of of looking at regulating the blood sugar, because that's the central piece of what's happening with PCOS. Which for for you guys who don't know, it's polycystic ovarian syndrome. And what happens is is your body ends up converting estrogen into testosterone, and um, you can have problems with fertility, with ovulation, and there's a whole host of things that can come along with it. But one of the things you can see with that is instead of high testosterone, you can have high DHEA. So, um, for you, Mary, I would just I would work with a doctor, look into your adrenal function, get that supported, um, and then work on lowering that excess androgen. Um, one of my favorite supplements I'll use for high androgens, especially in patients with PCOS, is it's called d So, it's hmm. D-Pinatol, P-I-N-I-T-O-L. It's really expensive, but it's really effective. So it can reduce those excess um, DHEA and testosterone and help to regulate the cycles again. It's it's really effective for for, uh, PCOS.
0: Oh, that's great to know. Good. Let's see the next one is from Nancy. She says, I'm battling night sweats and also candida issues from hormone changes despite taking oregano oil, coconut oil, eating right to, nixing sugars from fruit, and has fatigue issues.
2: Oh, I'm sorry Nancy you're having a really tough time oh that's rough um, well it's it's all about treating the root cause so I would again I probably feel like a, a broken record of just getting your levels checked looking and seeing what your hormones look like but um, there's a couple things with. that that I'm pulling out from this question, one with the night sweats, um, oftentimes night sweats is because of the the estrogen fluctuations, but it's usually, it's actually because your estrogen is is really, really low, but you get surges of estrogen, and that's what creates the night sweats themselves. So working on optimizing your estrogen levels will be helpful for taking care of some of those hot flashes. So if you wanna go the more natural route, I would try some things that can help to um, optimize your estrogen levels. So one in particular is, um, is flax seeds. So I'd add some flax seeds to your smoothies. If you have a smoothie in the morning, grind up like three tablespoons. That can really help with your, um, with your, project- with your uh, hot flashes. Sorry, brain fart. Um, the other thing too is if you are not sensitive to soy, maybe adding in some soy and see if that helps. Um, I've also heard, I don't use this much in my practice, but I have heard of a supplement from Metagenics called Estrovera.
0: I know, I've actually recommended that and people Yeah. estradiol has been
2: really helpful for a lot of patients, so um, try that out and see if that makes a difference. It takes like four um, weeks to start working though, apparently. Yeah. It can take a little while. Mm-hmm. There's also some uh, different nutrients like um, vitamin E. It can be helpful for hot flashes. Um, ashwagandha is a, is an herb. It's an adaptogenic herb, so it helps to support adrenal function, but that's, that can be really helpful for, for hot flashes too. Um, maca, actually, I'm a big fan of uh, Feminescence, I use that a lot in my practice, so you can even buy it online, you can buy it at Whole Foods, and you just do a couple capsules um, morning and night, and that it's, it works on the HPA axis, so it helps to support your adrenal function, which then indirectly can help to support it, um, your estrogen. And Let's see, Cutout Coffee, in case you're having coffee and um, looks like everything else are doing pretty good so give those things a try and if that doesn't make a difference then, then let me know and I'll have some more ideas for you now the other issue with Candida Candida isn't always from hormonal problems and Candida isn't always from Candida <laughs> Candida can actually be a protective mechanism that your body creates to protect you from toxins specifically heavy metals can show up as well so Candida can be a protection from heavy metals so Nancy if you have Um, silver fillings, if you've had exposure to other heavy metals that you know of, I would look into that too, because I've seen for a lot of times, especially if this has been a candida issue for many years, that can actually be the root cause, not necessarily from the hormonal changes. So just something to consider.
0: Yeah, good point. And I think candida can also be kind of a secondary infection to other gut infections too, that's kind of a side
2: effect. Yes, thank you for mentioning that too. So, the gut is a really big place to look. So, um, you know, getting a stool test done and seeing if you have any kind of bacterial imbalances in your gut, you know, if you do have candida, if you have a parasite, because that affects adrenal function. A lot of your hormones are metabolized in the digestive tract. So, it's all connected. You can't, you know, you can't treat one body system without affecting the other one. So looking at yeah, whole-
0: exactly. I, I am like a broken record saying that to everyone. And I'm especially with the endocrine system is you can't just address one issue in the endocrine system without all of your other hormones because they all function together. And right. that's what Dan Kalish always says is the ovaries never function malfunction in isolation from the rest of the endocrine system. So they're not just yeah. uh, spontaneously malfunctioning. There's Typically, you know, up an upward, an upstream cause from your adrenals and, and the HPA axis too.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And also another idea I have for Nancy too is if she hasn't tried this, maybe she has because she's probably done a lot of research on her own for night sweats. But you know, black cohosh can be really helpful for hot flashes. You know, so doing you know 80 milligrams a day of that. Um, you just want to be careful not to do it for too long of too high a doses just because it can affect liver function. But, but black cohosh used in conjunction with St. John's wort can be, can be effective. There's some pretty good research backing that up.
0: Okay, so I think we only have time for maybe one or two more quick questions here. Um, here's one. She says, what does it mean if you're in your 30s and your, your period changes suddenly from patterns from normal to very heavy so heavy I worry about leaving the house um, Mm -hmm. at a rate of three to four ounces every one to two hours and then it progressively slows. um, And The length of the cycle is shortened from her
2: usual pattern, she says. Mm. Um, The first thing that comes to mind is kind of opposite of what we see in menopause is more estrogen dominance and probably progesterone deficiency. So, I would, um, I, would, I would look into that. Um, one nutrient I would start right away for her is DIM. DIM is uh, dye it's a diet into methane. It's a nutrient that's from broccoli, from the broccoli family, and you want to do about 200 milligrams a day, and that can help to reduce excess estrogens. And if it, if it is, in fact, from low progesterone, then I would recommend to take some Vitex. Vitex is um, also known as chase berry or chase tree and that will help to increase her progesterone levels. The other idea I have is if her thyroid is underactive, that can really throw off menstrual cycles. So you can have hormone you can have menstrual changes with with too high of thyroid function or too low of thyroid function. So I would have her check those levels out too. And then the other one is just sort of a silly question, but if if so you said her name is Nicole, is that right? That's all right. So Nicole, if you have um, an IUD, specifically a copper IUD, that can also cause this problem too. So in case you had an IUD inserted recently, that can really change the, um, the heaviness of your period. So if that is the case, I'd probably recommend to have it removed because if you're having such heavy periods, of course, it sucks, and you feel like you're bleeding all the time, which is probably not very fun. But not only that, you are losing a lot of blood, so you will probably be more likely to have anemia at some point from the the iron loss. So probably up your um, intake of iron. You know, liver, clams are high in iron. You know, grass fed meats, and uh, some of these other things checked out regarding your hormones. And I'm sorry to hear that. The, another thing too, um, there's a there's a supplement by. Oh, what's the brand? Botanica called Slow Flow, I believe, and it has some herbs in it and nutrients that can help to uh, reduce really heavy periods, and it works really well. So, in the meantime, until you can get your, you know, hormones regulated, give that a try, and that can help to reduce the the heaviness of your period.
0: And. You know, quickly regarding the IUD, I used to really recommend that, but I Mm -hmm. have found so many, like 9 out of 10 women that I've seen have them have much worse of a time uh, since it's been inserted. So do you typically recommend that as a form of non-hormonal birth control or not?
2: I mean, for some ladies, they just swear by it and they absolutely love it. And other ones, you know, I've had patients again, just like with Nicole. I don't know if this is the case for her, but their periods are so heavy, they get so anemic, it's ridiculous. Yeah. And then there's other, you know, other patients who get the um, the Marina, which is the one with the progesterone. And there's also a new a new IUD now. I forget the name of it, but it's also progesterone based. And that oftentimes they don't get a period at all, and they're you know they don't even know when their cycles are, and it's just. Some of them, they, they have you know mood problems with it. I would say, in my experience, the one that's better tolerated is the Marina, even though it is it is hormonal. But mm-hmm. you know, with contraception, there's really there's really nothing that's ideal. <laughs> they all have I know, isn't that that's a bad fact?
0: Yeah, that's true.
2: <laughs> you know, so yeah. Uh,
0: okay, bad. one more question we have from Lori, and we talked about this a little bit earlier too, but she says. Question: My body fat is very low, like six to nine percent, from weight training, and I'm only forty-three, but I haven't menstruated since January. Is this bad? Because I like how lean I am.
2: She says. Well, Laura, you like how lean you are, but your ovaries do not like it at all. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. It's all. It ultimately comes down to what you want. I mean, if if you don't want a period and you want to keep your real lean physique, then then great. That's that's what it's going to take. But. You you will likely have a really difficult transition once you officially go into menopause if you haven't had an early menopause. So I would strongly recommend to take a break from exercising. I would do just really more, um, you know, restorative therapies like walking and maybe some yoga and don't push it because I have a feeling you are probably very much like you know if you do some yoga you'll want to do like the craziest kind of yoga and really push yourself but it, it does do some damage unfortunately so. My strongest recommendation, although you're probably a little addicted to it at this point, is to really cut back on the exercise. Try to put on some pounds, and your your hormones will will likely <laughs> bounce back if it's not too far along. And then you know maybe look at getting on some adrenal support too, because you've probably been really pushing yourself for a while. I know it's it's hard because it's like you want your body composition to be nice and lean, but your your body doesn't like that so I don't know really how much better to say it
0: that's a really good a good point because I I mean obviously in this field a lot of women that we work with have a very different idea of how they want their bodies to look than their bodies set point or their their bodies want to be and it's really hard to reconcile how maybe how you want to look but what your natural body type is and so that's something that can be hard for a lot of women to swallow so to speak but There comes a point where you do have to kind of have an intuition about what's healthiest and is it worth it to uh, have your hormone levels suffer and your health ultimately suffer for uh,
2: just wanting to achieve a certain number. Exactly. And it's not so much about having your period again, but when, you know, fertility reflects health. So if you're having a regular cycle, that's reflecting that, you know, things may not be... A, you know the estrogen's on imbalance, progesterone's on imbalance. We've already talked about the effects that that has in the body, so it's it's a lot more far reaching than just having you know having to use a tampon. So bone health goes down, and this may be going more into the female athlete triad syndrome. So, Lori, I would say to look into that and. Uh, uh Stephanie Grankey she's written some really really great articles on that. So check her website at rockyourhormones.com and she's written about the female athlete triad and some ideas regarding that cuz she she herself has said that as well.
0: Yeah, that's a good recommendation.
2: Thanks. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, um, well you've definitely dropped some major wisdom bombs. So I've got <laughs> a lot of good recommendations uh from what we've talked about. Do you have any
2: closing thoughts or any other truth bombs that you want to drop on people truth bombs you know (laughs) I would just say to you ladies listening you're also amazing you know you're also hard on yourselves and I I do the same thing too really just give yourself that permission to give yourself that self-love you're you're wonderful and you know if you're going through this tough time with your hormones or you're resonating with some of these symptoms that we talked about you're not alone a lot of you are dealing with this. I know I see it all the time in my practice. And just look for some answers. Reach out to a naturopathic doctor and there's, there's help for you. You're not crazy. If I could have a, you know, a penny every time a patient said that you know, my doctor said I was crazy, I would be, I don't know, I'd probably have a $1,000.